Welcome back to Everybody Loves, Everybody Loves Raymond. I am Mike D. I'm here with my friends Alex Shear. Hi, that's me. Oh my goodness. Good and, job, Mike. Thank you. And Adam Rudy. Hi, uh, it's an honor. <laughs> <laughs> Always an honor to he, be here. He is our uh, guest this evening, <laughs> Adam Rudy. He's a uh, first right. time uh, podcaster with uh, you know two experts of the craft. So that's why we're going to let him take over the entire show for just today. And hmm. How did I meet is, Ray? Just kidding. I think we invited Adam on as a as a guest for episode one, and he just kind of stuck around and became a, became a staple. Yeah, yeah. You know, he he wrote the theme song, and then he's decided, you know what? And also all sound effects. Yes, and produced and edited every single episode. But I I was just a guest. It was pretty presumptuous of me. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're we're, we're glad we have you now. Yeah, we felt bad. Yeah. Oh, thanks. It's like when you have a dinner party and the next thing you know, your guests are hanging uh, shelves in your bedroom. Mm-hmm. Then you have a breakfast party the next morning. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's, what it's do my, you, it's... How do you, what is, what to you is a breakfast party? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, to me, a breakfast party is, is just brunch. Yeah, you ever been to IHOP? That's a breakfast party every day of the week. It's the most uh, aggressive way I've ever been asked if I've been to IHOP. We are not sponsored by IHOP. I was thinking about, you know, us here in the Barone Zone, we have a couple dozen floors of our tower available for uh, for renting because it's all empty. There's, I was the, there's the Dwayne Reed and right. that's 97 floors, the garage on the 90 on the 98th floor and then we're on the 99th. We I thought are we were on the 100th floor. Oh, are we on It the goes 100th? back and forth. Um don't forget okay. that the first that 2 through 5 were rented out for the filming of Paul Blart 3 which was a feature <laughs> Blart length Blartmageddon. That's a right. A feature length parody of The Office starring uh Paul Blart. We um, put way too much detail into the details of our building. Honestly, you I mean, mean yeah. revealed? Yeah, I, that's what I. That, that is what I mean. So I, I was, uh, I, I, what I was getting at is, uh, I was considering adding uh, or reaching out to IHOP, IHOP, seeing if they wanted to, uh, to uh, take one of the floors. I was thinking like number th- floor number thirty-two felt right for them. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, saw that. Uh, I saw those faxes that you've been sending back and forth with them, but they. Uh, they politely declined and passed us off to D Hop. That's the domestic house of pancakes. <laughs> That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I see. But they have a much lower. They're willing to pay a lot more for the rent. So I said, I faxed on your behalf, and I said, you know what? We're gonna plug you in at forty-eight. So. You know, it'll be a long walk for, for people the, to get up there because you know the, the elevator same. only goes bottom to top. Right. Um, well, it's 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 appropriate because forty eight. It's the domestic house of pancakes. They only serve pancakes in the forty eight continuous right, United the lower States. Forty eight. So therefore, <laughs> you got you got so to floor forty eight. It is it is actually uh, perfect. Yeah, it's right. very appropriate. You'll be hungry by the time you get up there because you will have walked up forty eight flights of stairs. Yeah, but the yeah. number of calories that are in a single pancake at D-Hop, <laughs> yeah. that's uh, going to clear it up. They do you know, mostly deep fried uh, pancakes, which is yeah. Yeah. dangerous. They're going to they're gonna talk about our building on like, like, you know those like TikTok, like five minute hack things, like 
this D hop is going to appear on one of those videos and be like, don't want to walk up the 48 stairs, take the elevator to the 100th floor and then walk down 52 stairs. <laughs> Better. You know what? You're right. That's, uh, that's, that's it. That's the life hack. Well, he, we are here to talk today about Everybody mm. Loves Raymond. And believe it or not, this episode does not feature a D hop. Did you Have feel we- that that... Um, conversation went on for a little too long and that's why you needed to do a hard left turn back to what this we're show not is going about. to allow it uh, so, <laughs> believe believe it or not i think your listeners came to listen about raymond i don't know if Mike, they care too much about don't the worry they already skipped ahead that's a, that is a good <laughs> point after we put that uh, that little co- that little time stamp in the that's description right. yeah our 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 listen uh length has decreased but our viewership has remained the same that's funny how that works (laughs) (laughs) well look we've got like 96 floors to fill so forgive me for doing a little bit of marketing for that but no that's great no i was gonna say i just i I have a feeling we'll we'll find a way to fill them we're we're at the biggest Location limit. The the, For now. the Joker. Yeah, the Joker's guys aren't aren't up to our standards yet, but they're building their um, atrium. I saw the plans. Mm-hmm. Is beautiful. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. I can, don't know. can I can I take the left turn now? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> All right, but we are here to talk about Raymond, and Raymond does not go to a D Hop or a Dwayne Reed or any of the ninety nine floors of uh, the Barone Zone. No, in fact, today in today's episode one, uh, season one, episode seventeen, he plays a game with his fr- with his family. What game? Was it, Adam? I actually, you found it. I thought this didn't exist. The game is called, in the show, Scruples. Scruples. In life, it was called A Question of Scruples, and it is a real game. And in fact, uh, thanks to uh, a guy on Twitter, his name is Dan Olson. He can be found at at foldablehuman. He has no uh, relation to us. That's such a great URL. That's such a great URL. I'm sorry. What what was his first name? Dan. Dan. Oh, my God. Very, very well done. (laughs) Um, He has no relation to this show, nor did he send us this. I found this uh, through searching. Uh, He helpfully put up a couple of scruples cards on Twitter. Uh, So I thought because Ray and his family had such a great time playing scruples together and it really it brought them so... together. <laughs> yeah. I thought the three of us could do that, you know, to strengthen our friendship. Okay. Good thing. I I just like, can we just double check that these windows can't be broken by say a body being thrown against them before we play this game? That's very specific. Why? What did you do? I'm saying if Mike gets angry at me, he's going to try and throw me out the window. <laughs> Uh, I could always open the window if they're not breakable. Luckily, our windows are only breakable from the outside. Oh, th- oh that's how... You can how, uh, break yeah. in, you know, usually <laughs> with a vehicle, but you cannot break out. That would be a great prank if one day we just turned the windows around just to surprise Billy. <laughs> <laughs> he bounced off. <laughs> Uh, Billy pops up the excite bike ramp on his RAV4 and bounces off. <laughs> Disappears as a pinprick into I didn't have any like world building or um <laughs> Lindbrook descriptions 
uh, planned for this episode, but that last sentence, you gotta go. You gotta go Some, back and listen. Um, yeah. Sometimes it just happens, but yeah, no that that one that one you gotta that one you gotta Adam, research for. Adam yeah. was all ready to cut this entire intro <laughs> until that line. <laughs> Um, Sorry, but guys. anyway, uh, let's uh, let's snap into this uh, deck of scruples yeah. here that let's Dan helpfully posted on Twitter. Um, so I'll draw the first card. You guys have it open, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, good. So I'll draw the first card here, and uh, this question is going to be for Mike for reasons that I think are obvious to everyone. Oh, no. uh, you know, if you know anything about Mike, you already know his answer to this question while on a family vacation your child gets chicken pox you are anxious to return home by air do you expose the other passengers to this contagious disease so we know what given what we know about mike and his attitude towards infectious diseases and you know vaccinations i thought this would be the perfect question <laughs> What a completely unrelevant question. What the? Okay, first of all, have I taken the the anti-vax stand at any point during this? Uh, I mean, I'm not denying it. I'm just saying I thought that was going to be kept No, secret. no, I'm sorry. Moving I'm on. sorry. Mike, please deny it. Uh, I, I, uh, anyway, I would say... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I would say that uh, Darwin once said that only oh the strong God. survive. <laughs> Mike, <laughs> Mike, God. <laughs> well, I will say, uh, in in all honesty, uh, I think that like the chicken pox vaccine is like very widely distributed. Well, then and how do you singles. feel about that? Uh, we're not going to get into that. I could go on a whole other to- uh, whole other time. Uh, I was gonna say, but I was gonna say screw it. But then I was like, ah, shingles. That's uh, that's a thing that exists for the older. I mean, I guess it depends, right? If I'm if I'm on Hawaii, then there's not really much of a choice. Uh, if I am three states over and could drive, maybe I would. I guess I would do that. So that's that's my answer. That's what I'm sticking to. I'm that's a good in. answer. Mm. Is it? Well, I really. Wanted him to confirm on air that he is an anti-vaxxer, just so we can... Because remember our first episode, we wanted that COVID-19 misinformation badge on Spotify. <laughs> oh, that's right. This is how we get, get, us, get it? Get is, that what you're, is that what yeah. you're trying to... Um, well, Mike is not an anti-vaxxer. No, I am not. I am no. doing it a speci- only for certain for certain vaccines. And, <laughs> Chicken pox uh, only. Chicken pox, I am not a fan of. Every other one is a okay. Get vaccinated. That's yeah. true. All right. That's so good my- so I can ta- get vaccinated so I can take my kid with chicken pox on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everyone else get vaccinated so that you don't have to. True. Uh, um, all right, Mike, do you want to go next since you were asked sure. a question? Sure. Um, oh, uh, this, is, let, let's, this is one that will not be relevant to any of us but let's go with uh let's go let's go to adam okay adam you are using a public phone someone else is waiting do you cut your call short i in all honesty no bit i absolutely would i i believe that that is my one of my uh big like social anxiety triggers is uh the feeling that i'm in somebody's way 
which then translates to me being furious with people who are in my way. Like, don't you understand how terrible it feels when you're standing in the middle of the staircase and nobody can get by you? Don't you? Ugh. So, yeah, I would absolutely be like, okay, all right, you take to pull the plug. All right, I got to go. Bye. <laughs> like, like, even today, it's. I, I feel like if this situation happened today, it would be astonishing for a completely different reason. I was like, wow, two people on the planet need to use a public phone at the same time in the same place. Impossible. Uh, I would, and here's the difference. I think I would say I paid 25 whole cents for this call. I'm going to see it all the way through. I actually, no, I'm probably with you. I've never, obviously, never been in that situation, but I have cut my call short when I'm like standing, not even in a train, like on a train track, and I get dirty looks from people. I've cut my call, my call short during that, so I would, uh, I would probably follow suit for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'll ask the next question to Alex then. Um, you buy a video store where X-rated videos are among the best sellers. Do you continue to sell them? Here's the thing, right? If I own a video store, I messed up at some point and I need all the help I can get. Like, they're coming for, like, streaming is coming for us. Like, porn... Yeah, this is an interesting situation. I need everything I can get. I need to like, not even stopping at just like the X-rated videos. I need to supply like snacks, like fuel, like (laughs) fuel, (laughs) like you know, like the Gatorades and like carbs to like keep people going. Oh, that kind of fuel. I thought you meant literally installing gas pumps out front. That's actually a good. That oh my goodness, could you imagine the like a pump and dump? Oh my god! <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Oh, that uh, was yeah. good. So uh, my answer is yes for that reason. I am surprised by how much these questions aged. Yeah. Like uh, so far, we've got chicken pox, which I guess is still, still around, but but you know it's it's I've never had like it's it's less of an issue. We Most got people video have been stores. vaccinated for it. So yeah, yeah. video stores, pay phones, yeah. Yeah, I would like to see this like an updated version of this game, but like believe according to the Wikipedia page for this game, the last version was the Millennium Edition. So I don't know if that if they were late on that or if there hasn't been a new version of Scruples for 20 years. Did they misspell Millennial? Is that possible? Yeah, the Millennial Edition. (laughs) It's all about iced coffee and uh, anal sex. Um, yes. yes. You're three thousand dollars behind on your rent, but you want <laughs> avocado toast. Do you make the purchase? Um, and all right, I'll ask this one to Mike. Okay. Uh, your boss, who has a drinking problem, is in the hospital. <laughs> Shout out to Mike's boss. He asks you to smuggle a bottle to him. Alcohol might interfere with the treatment. Do you oblige? What the fuck? <laughs> Holy uh, shit! I mean, I got a few questions about this one. Right. First and foremost, am I that close with my boss that I buy them beer every... I don't... I mean, the answer is no, right? Like, I don't... Why Why would the answer ever be yes? I don't... I don't think that I, I could think come more, up with any justification. More context is needed. First of all, is he in the hospital because of his drinking problem, or is it an unrelated injury? <laughs> um, and then also... Yeah. You know, what power does he... Is he threatening to fire you if you don't bring him a bottle of alcohol? 
And, and, yeah, and if also, so, why don't you go over his head and say, hey, you know, my boss is trying to get me to smuggle him alcohol. You could also... Is this like, is this like end of care? Is like he wants one last <laughs> drink before the end? <laughs> this could also be like a power game In that thing, case, yes. In that like, case, I don't see the problem with it. But I'm, yeah. I mean, like, look, if, if like he really can't have alcohol and like something like it would kill him and you wanted to power game your way up oh, the corporate shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like i mean who I, are you to stand in his way listen listen we've all it's it's a cutthroat world out there we've all seen wolf of wall street and okay just I've for that we've wolf all wall. seen wolf of wall street <laughs> for the one guy out there who who's thinking about it i I am not condoning you to kill your boss. If, <laughs> if you use this as evidence in your trial, I am condoning you. Could you bad? To, bad. So to recap, to recap, Mike is pro-vax and Alex is anti-murder, and that's the real truth. <laughs> that's the real that's, truth. Yeah, put that. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, could you imagine like the one reason this show makes headlines is because it it's presented <laughs> in evidence and that one line is what saves us from legal liability. I honestly that's this is scruples fault if yeah. uh if that's that, true. If that happens like passing the blame torch right onto him. Let's um you asked that of Mike? Yeah. Mike, do you want to do Mike, one more? Mike, I want or? you to read the very next one. <laughs> the next one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um I guess this will go to who? I guess everybody's only answered one. I guess this will go to Alex. Oh, name it. No, Alex, a close friend has AIDS. He loses his job and his <laughs> friends. He asks you for a place to stay. Do you let him in? Yes, because AIDS is not contagious. Yeah. Unless you um, have sex with the person. Yes. Yeah. There you go. They're better. And I will just not have sex with this person. Yeah. I mean. I mean, don't, I didn't mean to laugh at AIDS. I just meant... You're laughing at this being a serious question. Yeah, <laughs> like, right? Of course. Like, like, is this... With this question... It, I, I, I get it, though, right? Like, this was... I, I, I mean, I don't know when this version was released, but there was a lot of bullshit yeah. around HIV and AIDS in the past. There, there was a oh, lot yeah. that wasn't known. I mean, would this question be... If this was published in 2020... It would like, be the question about COVID. Yeah, exactly. And and in that case, I would say no, unless they're masked up and I have like 10 bedrooms yeah. and I could stick them in the furthest one. No for two weeks. No for two uh, weeks. But then, yes. All right. Are we done with school? Uh, uh, let's give, let's give, uh, should, Adam, do you want Adam one, more? one more? Yeah. Give me one more. Not the very next one, but go two down to, uh. <laughs> I see. Okay. Mike, do you want to read this one? Uh, You're in an airplane that develops engine trouble. As the plane plummets, you vow to donate $5,000 to (laughs) Mother Teresa if you are saved. You land safely. Do you keep your vow? Absolutely not. I'll give $5,000 to the the people in need, but what the fuck does Mother Teresa need my $5,000 for? Yeah, she's dead. It's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like this game. I, yeah, this game is great. I guess I meant in the abstract. Why would I give money directly to Mother Teresa? Oh my god! She's gonna get a lease on a new Kia Sorento. Um, it's yeah, so that's that's, always, that's scruples. What? That's that's scruples. What do you have something to say about 
Kia Sorrentos. I, I feel like whenever you bring up a car, it's always a Kia Sorrento. It's a Kia Sorrento or a Toyota Corolla. Yeah. Ah, there it is. Yeah. This is, I, I feel like I have that like audio clip of you just saying Kia Sorrento <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> so that's Scruples. Thank you again to Dan Olson at Foldable Human on Twitter for posting that in at the end of, on New Year's Eve 2018. Oh, I just wow. noticed. And it went into um, 20, January 1st, 2019. Look at that. Someone tag him. See if he's creeped out. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly feel our, closer to you guys. Our thanks. Yeah, you know, that one didn't devolve into violence, so I think yeah. that just means we're a more functional family than the Barones. Which is like a very low bar, but I mean, it is a bar. It is. Speaking of Barones, uh, hey. one of the features of this show... Uh, or segments, I should say, is a little something called remembrances. Oh my God, we spent so much time on scruples. I know. And I totally <laughs> forgot about remembrances. Oh Jesus! Uh, we'll cut it down. Okay. Um, a feature of this show is a little something called remembrances, and that is a uh, artifact, a video, or an article, or an image of the cast of Everybody Loves Raymond out there in the world doing other things, be they other appearances in film and TV, or maybe just walking around. Uh, All right. Period. Yeah. Uh, we received another remembrance through the old Raymond at postfun.info mailbox. Uh, send us remembrances to that, or send us Judge Debra's uh, for another one of our segments. But this one is from Ali Hadi. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Uh, Hi, guys. Love the podcast and thought I owed it to Ray to contribute. This is one of the first instances I noted of an ELR actor outside of ELR, and that was Brad Garrett in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Really? I, I didn't know he made an appearance. He played Ooh. a hitman, so I guess it's an alternate reality where Robert was a bit too trigger-happy. I hope you have some fun with it. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know what? Uh, is this worth spinning off into a Baroness? It might be. If very well we, we'd have we to watch have the to whole revisit thing. this yeah yeah we might have to revisit this but um again it's cool to see brad uh playing pretty much the same character it's sort of like dark robert right? yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> he's got the same voice it's uh it's yeah. wall robert it's what <laughs> wall robert you know in, instead of yeah. wario wobert yeah instead of waluigi it's wall robert Wobbert, yeah, Wobbert's better. Yeah. Wobbert's way better. It's not Wamario and Waluigi. So well, it is Waluigi. It is Waluigi. It oh, is, no, you're right. Yeah, it is. It is Waluigi. <laughs> I guess, well, they, they're two different uh, yeah, why naming isn't conventions. Why is he called Yeah, he should be Waluigi. Waluigi. <laughs> Waluigi. We'll cut uh, this. But why? thanks. Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. I think what we've decided based on this remembrance here is that we are sufficiently titillated that we may revisit this in a Baroness episode down yeah, the line. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's very uh, enticing. It has there's a lot there's of, so many unanswered questions. There's a lot going on There's here. a lot of potential. There's a lot of room for headcanon, and I'm here for it. Absolutely. All right. On that, uh, so thank you so much for sending that in. And... Yeah. Uh, Send in more remembrances, everybody. Uh, Raymond at postfun.info, uh, Facebook, Instagram, however you can get in touch with us, please do so. 
Uh, with that titillating tease, though, we'll hear a word from our sponsors, and then we'll come back to break down Season 1, Episode 18. It's called, nope, Season 1, Episode 17. It's called The Game. We will be right back. One password is the world's most loved password, Manager. It's the easiest way to store and use strong passwords, allowing you to log into sites and fill forms securely with a single click. Try it free for 14 days and support this show in the process by visiting one password through postfun.info slash ads. That is postfun.info slash ads. And when you get there, let them know that Raymond sent you. back from the break uh once again i'm alex Shear. i'm joined here with mikey d and adam rudy that's right <laughs> that's that's us that is indeed us uh and we'll begin today by breaking down season one episode 17 of everybody lives raymond entitled the game general takeaways from this episode guys two thumbs up i loved it i thought it was a really fun episode i was enthralled the entire time and i think of the episodes we've seen this one's in my top three easy this is definitely one that I remember that like sticks out. Like I've remembered scenes from a couple other episodes and like they've sort of been in my sort of headspace of what everybody loves Raymond looks like, sounds like, and feels like. This is like a quintessential episode, I feel like. I would definitely agree. I I, I also remember this one very, very well from when I was uh, when I was younger. Um but yeah, I think this was this had a lot of really, really funny moments. I, I think it was a very well done episode. I straight up didn't remember it. Like oh. I, I mean I, I and I've we we've talked about our Raymond experiences a couple times now, but you know, I binged the whole thing uh when I was an adult. Or, or, you know, sorry, excuse for one. And <laughs> I I really just blasted through them. So, like, you know, I, I don't remember a lot of these. And this one just does not stick out in my mind at all. Or it didn't. And uh, watching it now, I, uh, I really liked it. I think any time you can have just an episode where it's really just your five leads just sitting down doing something basically just talking the whole time and it's just completely insanely entertaining it just means you have a really powerful cast this almost felt like a what's the word for that that kind of episode where it's like a bottle episode a bottle episode almost felt like a bottle episode which it really wasn't because like all everybody lives raymond episodes happen in one of three sets but at the same time we didn't Basically, go to the bedroom. We didn't go to Marie and Frank's house, though. The, so it really yeah, was this, only the main yeah. set. This one the could only have been time a play. It cu- yeah, the only time it cut away was during the Inchworm song. Um, but outside oh, yeah, of that, that's right. Outside of that, everything else happened within the living room and kitchen of uh, Raymond's house. We'll talk about that. But again, like one of those great Raymond moments of like joke, 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 and then heartfelt like you know, real, like, nice moment. Kind of, like, serious, kind of, like, artistic, just, like, sweet, and then just, bam, right back into it. I I enjoyed that part as well. Uh, So let's go ahead and start breaking it down then because it is a a great episode. Uh, You know, no spoilers for the barometer because we'll talk about how Ray himself as a man was in this episode. These reviews do not... um, 
you know, do, these are do, episode reviews. It's not a review yes. of Raymond himself. No, that will be more interesting than uh, all thumbs up. I assume certainly nuanced uh, takes on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's uh, go ahead into our cold open, if we can even call it that. Uh, so we come in on the house. It is raining, and Deborah is folding the laundry, and then Ray comes down. Uh, he was putting Michael to sleep, and uh, he goes through he's, he finally got him down he fed him he rocked him and then michael looked at him and said essentially gave him a look that said is that all you got and that smacked of stand up to me it for did sure. a little yeah bit. that's there definitely... are a couple things in this that that um felt very stand up yeah i i would say i would say there were a couple of moments like this but we talked about that like a lot of the cold opens are taken right from the stand-up. I don't remember ever seeing that, but it did feel like a one-off, uh, one-off standalone joke. That's that's yeah. definitely one of Ray Romano's like opening jokes mm-hmm. uh, when he, you know, does stand up somewhere. I, I would imagine, if I had to guess. I think we should do a, a field trip, the three of us, to if to he's see ever Ray Romano performing. He... Yeah, sit I... in the front row. Genuinely, that could be that, that would could be, be fun. super fun. We could, you know, uh, deduct it on our taxes, and <laughs> yeah, it, it would yeah. be it would be a good time. You know, it would be make a show out of it. Bonus episode. Um, but yeah, and then he sits down and immediately turns on the television set, uh, and Deborah seems to be a little bit offended by it. I don't know if you wanted to do a sports guy thing for this, but uh, about the history of ESPN. Oh, I wasn't even thinking that, but we heard through the TV that it was the Toronto Blue Jays at the New York Yankees, and I didn't I, even notice that. Yeah, Mike, I, I'm surprised that the, I. Oh, actually, I'm not surprised. Of course, you noticed that. Yeah. Do you know this exact game? Because I would be interested to hear that. No, uh, because I was I was actually thinking about it, and I was really really confused for two reasons. Number one, in the last episode we saw was the Valentine's Day episode, right? Right. The MLB, the MLB season typically does not start until April. So, did we skip two months, or did they not pay attention to that stuff? I think only the following episodes will tell. Yeah, that's because true. April showers. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what I thought. I guess um, I can stop that. So maybe we just had a time <laughs> I was just going to... Uh, and then the second thing is, the Yankees, it, it said Toronto Blue Jays at Yankees, which this could be reversed, but typically that means that the Blue Jays are playing the Yankees in Yankee Stadium, which is in the Bronx, which theoretically should mean the the, the game should be rained out given what we see around oh. them. Um, yeah, then why would they be so desperate to turn the TV back on if the rain if the game would probably be rained out anyway? I don't know. Uh, so what you're saying is this game, which can't have possibly happened, was somehow not rained out and unless they were playing also in Toronto, the, in which case the broadcaster messed up. That's the only situation that I could imagine. That the pro- So you that think broad- that's more likely. I think that's more likely. That, that a man was fired that day. <laughs> <laughs> that the broadcaster messed up the words. Yeah, I actually okay. do. I think that's more likely. Um so Ray turns the TV on, uh, and then the cable goes out. He gets up to try to fix it, and Deborah does a funny little bit where she tries. She gets him to do all these little tricks, like you know, tap it with the remote, 
uh, rub it on the sides, and then as he's rubbing it, she's like getting excited, huh? Deborah had uh, some good jabs this episode. Yeah. She really did. She really, that was really, a really did. funny bit. I love. It. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think then Ray followed up with the line of, "Ah, oh, you're getting jealous, huh?" And then just continues to desperately try to get the TV working again. <laughs> so there's those fun. Those like wholesome little marriage moments where they just mess with each other like that is just like it's nice and then it's fun and then the issues happen yeah <laughs> and then everything else um so it's ray a great is analogy dis- for life <laughs> it's nice and then things happen uh it's uh so ray is despairing about the cable being out and um Deborah, I think she says something to the effect of it's not the end of the world. And then Frank bursts through the door. <laughs> He's holding a giant sandwich and he says, your TV's out too, sweet mother of God. And then as fast as he came in, he bursts out of the of the house. Which just, the, being the agent of chaos he is, I, I just so, was, so fun. It was great. So funny. Um, <laughs> and then we get an ad break and... Then we're just back in the. Sh- there is no intro at all. I was in actually going to ask, ask that. Did I miss it? it? They just didn't do one. No, they put the credits over the cold open. Oh, weird. Maybe this was like, maybe like they hired a new writer who just got out of art school and like, <laughs> you got any ideas? They're like, whoa, do I? <laughs> no intro for this one. No conveyor belt. No place set. I don't like any of them. We're gonna do nothing. I'm not sure. I bet it was, you know, we need 35 more seconds for, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, the 22-minute constraint, um, you know, it was unfathomable that they wouldn't sell one of those ad slots and have a slightly longer episode, but sure, let's cut out the intro, mm-hmm. which honestly, it's nice to have a break. It is, actually. I do agree. the whiplash of going back and forth between the two. Mm-hmm. Um But we, we come right back. Uh, we're still in the living room. Ray is waiting for the TV to come back. Uh, or the cable to come back. And Deborah suggests the very normal suggestion of why don't we just sit and talk and have a conversation? Uh, and Ray is immediately suspicious of this. He thinks it's a trap. He asks what's wrong, um, which is, you know, not a, a um, speaking of Ray's performance in this episode, it's like, uh, what a dick. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what, I, I mean, he he really sells the man child in this episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the the thought process of Ray Barone here is that of a ten year old who thinks that they're about to be found out from like sneaking like milk straight out of the carton. Mm-hmm. I will right. also put out there. This is just kind of like a tangential thought that I had because you're right. On the one hand, what a dick that Ray would say that, but also like. They don't really touch on the fact that, like, his job is to watch sports. Like, it, they, they, it, throughout this first season, maybe this changes later on, they basically do a, oh, Ray, Ray, man, man, like sport. But, like, it's, they don't, they very rarely mention the fact that, like, he's got to go to work tomorrow and write about this game. They, I feel like there are much bigger stakes for Ray here that he either doesn't care about or they just don't bring up. That's a great point, Mike, and I feel the only reason they do not bring that up is either they forgot, which I, I honestly doubt, Mm-hmm. I think it's really just like to keep the relatability true for yeah. uh, for 
everyday viewers. Well, also, if the stakes of this episode are Ray needs to watch this game more than Ray just wants to watch TV, uh, then the episode has to be about, you know, if Ray needs to watch this game for work, then he needs to find different ways to watch the game. Yeah, sure. then it's yeah. a non-negotiable yeah. in yeah. that case. It doesn't become there's nothing to do, so we need to find an activity and then we get to the game and then we get to the conflict and all of that um so it's interesting to see the two paths this like i feel like that's a pretty typical sitcom plot right of finding um uh, uh of having an objective and then mm-hmm. finding different ways to you know overcome obstacles to achieve that objective is a very typical sitcom plot whereas this is really more they took the path of this really being more just about the family dynamic. And I feel like this is really the first time that we see the Barones in all their glory. Like, mm-hmm. there's been little conflicts here and there. And they are unleashed. This is them all stuck in a room together. <laughs> nothing to do but go absolutely nuts on I each go, other. Yeah, exactly. I wanted to also just bring this up closer to the beginning of the episode. But this is just something I was thinking about the whole time. Where it's like, if you just replace the word cable with Wi-Fi, like we we still have the same exact issues today. Exactly. It's just you know same game, different name. And before that, you know, it's like before TV, it's like the radio's out. And before that, it's like the newspaper boy's late. <laughs> the newspaper's out. What will we do? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. It is like this. It, I was actually thinking. I was like, this is a very millennial plot to happen in the '90s because, like, it, you could do something similar. Just like millennials don't know what to do if there are no phones. And I don't. I I yeah. think it's a very boomer uh, take on millennial. Plot. I think. No, I well, think that's that's exactly if it's about Wi-Fi. It's, that's yeah. exactly. Don't what get I meant. it wrong. It's a bullshit claim because. Basically, all of humanity for at least the last hundred years have relied on some form of like media to keep them occupied, and yeah. it has evolved over time. I mean, I mean to be clear, it I'm has not gotten saying, better. No, no. I mean, I'm not. I'm also not saying that like, like I'm sure that even back then, the majority of real people would be able to deal with the TV being out. It's just I just was I just was trying to say like yeah. I like changed. Coming off of your point, change two or three details, and this episode could have happened today. I'm yeah. sure this episode has happened on other shows. Maybe not with the same mm-hmm. outcome, not with the being about the family dynamic, but I'm yeah. sure you know the Wi-Fi out or the TV out or cable out uh, problem has been at the center of a lot of sitcom episodes. And it's mm-hmm. very relatable. And even yeah, real life like this exact situation happened to me and my family a couple of years ago. I mean, Mike. You might remember there was a big storm here, like there are a mid- lot of storms. Uh, yeah, that's true. But the, there was a particular it's safe storm. to say the most in the country. Yeah, <laughs> there was a I lot. Don't know. There was a big storm um, on the Long of Island in like mid 2020, like right as the uh, the COVID pandemic was hitting up, and I lost like Wi-Fi for like a week, and I Oof. felt like I could do nothing, and. Watching this episode kind of brought me back to that time. Yeah. It's very, very relatable. Um, although I will say they don't lose power. Uh, and Marie True. even brings up, you know, the possibility of watching a DVD, which actually we don't. I mean, speaking for me specifically, if I wasn't able to stream, I wouldn't be able to watch uh, anything. 
because I don't have a DVD player. I don't have any. Ooh, that's interesting. Um, Alex, I know you have a big collection of like DVDs and stuff, and you bought me some too for for like birthdays and stuff like that. But I don't know if we have any way to watch them. I have a PS Five, bro. Oh, true. There you go. I can play any DVD I want. (laughs) There you go. Double up. (laughs) But uh, get out of here with your non-physical, you know moving forward i'm not a gamer i'm sorry i don't know what to say but i think um for this episode it's interesting that no one ever at any point is like okay i'm just gonna go off and read a book or i'm gonna go get on the exercise bike or any number of things that you can do uh besides tv that aren't talking to each other i'm gonna turn Um, on the radio and listen to the game we're trying to watch oh yeah (laughs) that's that's kind of what I was like screaming at. It's like John Sterling's a masterman. Just yeah, nothing. and like I, I, I can like kind of understand the one track mind of Ray in this situation. Where I mean, not to this extent, but like if I'm like doing stuff all day and I'm just like, oh boy, I can't wait to finally be done so I can go watch this one thing or go do this one thing at the end of the day and then it happens and I can't do that, then, like, my mind, it's like, that's all I can think about is, like, man, I really wish I was doing this right now because I've been thinking mm-hmm. about it all day, if yeah. that makes sense. It does. Well, yeah, I think part of what Ray's reaction here is mourning the uh, missing out on something. Um, I don't think the degree to which he is anti interfacing with his family uh, <laughs> is relatable. <laughs> no. I think... He uh, is being really immature and, and um, like, there's no other word for it than a dick because he's just like, just talk to your wife. God and, damn it. And I mean, I will say, Frank does the exact same thing. Not, yeah. that, not to say that that's like, you know, an excuse, but it's just like. The parallel is there. Yeah, exactly. He learned yeah. it from him. It's not, it's not the excuse. It's the explanation. Exactly. Um. That being said, I did really enjoy because I don't think we we got to this point. But like after the t- cable is out and Ray gives up on talking to Deborah because he realizes there is not an emergency happening, Frank and Maurice storm in, and the desperation. Wait, wait, with, wait. Oh, wait, you missed a very important part. We got another instance of Horn Dog Ray. Right. Oh shit! What am I doing? Me... To, and Deborah had like one of the most clever solutions I've ever I've Let's, ever heard uh... in a sitcom. Yeah, let's plug this in. Um, I, so I, apo- but, I apologize. No, no, I was excited okay. for one part, but yeah, we'll get there soon. Hold on to your hat um, and everything else. Um, but yeah, eventually eventually, Ray agrees to talking uh, as if it's the most painful thing in the world. He agrees to talking, but he doesn't want to initiate the conversation. Uh, Deborah asks him what he wants to talk about. And this is extremely upsetting to him. Um, But he pivots to suggesting, you know, there's something else that we can do while the cable's out. He suggests that they bang, not just bang, but bang downstairs this time. Is that a euphemism? I thought that was a euphemism. I certainly hope not. (laughs) No, I thought it was like, I thought he was saying, we can show your love for each other, especially downstairs. I thought that he was saying, you know in the you know below the belt i thought that's what he was hinting at more than i think i thought that the sex part was pretty explicit i don't i thought maybe it was just excitement about banging in the living room i i I do agree with that especially with kids like Mm. running around like 
it's like you know if you get out of the parent bedroom like bam that's it but you gotta lock those doors barones otherwise you're gonna get interrupted yeah lock the kids into their bedrooms so <laughs> i was talking i was bed- talking about the uh <laughs> the parents of uh, of ray i believe the last time they tried to do it in the living room uh robert pulled the gun on him. yeah robert <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, I also I, w- I want to say when you know Ray suggests sex, first of all, like that's not inherently a bad thing, but just the way he goes about it after like no talk must yeah. have sex, like that's <laughs> that's the part that's shitty. But no emotional intimacy. Yes, no only communicating. Physical, only yeah. physical intimacy for Ray, and that's a that's a common thread that we have seen from him these last uh, 17 episodes. But yeah. uh, Deborah has like a, a a solution that I thought was just so clever. She was like, all right, I'll tell you what, I will have sex with you when the cable comes back on. Yeah. And it's just like, that's, that's, that's the perfect solution here. Yeah. I, I just thought it was just so freaking funny. I don't I know think why. It's, you know, I feel like we're not, we're supposed to relate to Ray in this show, but it really, highlights the fact that any reasonable person would not relate to Ray in this situation. Like, of course, you know, you would want to go be intimate with your partner or spend time with your partner mm-hmm. instead of, you know, watching TV. TV will always be there. Cherish the moments you have with your loved one. Um, but just laying it out like that, like, these are your options. We can go have sex or you can watch TV and it's a like, tough call for him. Yeah, and that's the sad part. That is that's the sad the, part. That's the real core of sadness to this episode. <laughs> we'll and it's there. weird, and we'll get to it as we go along. Like the, like drive that, like the obsession that Ray has for watching this game is like, it's it's isn't it to a level that struck you as almost perverse. I yeah I mean yeah because I was I was gonna say like if it's a big game but it's like if this is April this is like game number three it's not even an important one um but again I guess I was also coming at it from a perspective of like Ray's job performance depends on him seeing it but they they're not playing into that angle so I don't think it's yeah. it's fair for yeah to put that on I I think we can assume that for whatever reason Ray's not covering this game or any game that's happening tonight. Right, and he wants to watch it just because he likes the game. Right. The main so, yeah. thing that that triggers that um, discomfort for me about this situation is Ray turning to the TV after Deborah leaves. Um, he says, "Okay, we'll we'll do it then." And then he turns to the TV and he says, "But I'll be thinking of you," which I know is a joke. It's, I understand that's, that's that it's a, a funny line. joke, yeah. but all of Ray's behavior in this episode suggests that there might be a possibility <laughs> that he might actually be thinking <laughs> of the TV. He might be thinking about this beautiful tube TV from the mid '90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have this uh, after that. After they make the deal. Uh, we get like a fade into the the kitchen, which is, you know, again we're in like a bottle episode where we're only using this one set, um, but that's a cool way to show the passage of time. I thought, um, Ray, this is the other thing that struck me as a, a like a um, stand up bit is Ray goes into this bit about the twins' schedule and Deborah's like, you know, yeah. we gotta keep them on the schedule, um, and he's 
it's pretty funny. He, uh, I don't remember Cran any of the Ran up the nose at 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Running around screaming something at one. Ladle. Ladle. Yeah. Ladle, ladle, ladle. Yeah. That was pretty funny. It was a, it was um, a good joke. At this point, Frank and Marie come in uh, from the rain, and uh, Frank asks Ray if he called the cable company, and Ray says, didn't you? And then they launch into a frantic dialing the cable company uh, fit, and uh, Ray reveals... Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I thought it was really, really funny, the utter desperation that they showed. I believe Frank's line of like, if it's busy, call 911. I loved that. (laughs) I liked his little line of, I'll prepare the phone. Yeah. (laughs) And then Deborah calling it out was awesome prepare the phone um but ray gets on the phone with the cable company and he reveals his address is 320 fowler yes now there's a couple of things wrong with this according to the imdb trivia is that there is no such address in limbrook and the house in later episodes says 315 so we i will we can cut this out later if this is too much information Fowler is a street <laughs> that is in Lindbrook, but the ha- but the houses there are double digits only. So the fact that it's not, I I always thought when I remembered back, I thought it was twenty Fowler Avenue, which is a real location, but three twenty is not. Yeah, and it's I mean we could see it from here, right out the window over there. That's yeah. Fowler. Yeah, there it is. Right, it's the only one with like a a neon sign. It's that you know that picture of Ray waving. It's oh, that right. it, the this neon goes back and forth between <laughs> yeah. the the two rays, and it says birthplace of Ray Romano on it, which is a lie, but you know <laughs> yeah. it's good for tourism. It's, it's very it's very good for tourism. Limbrick, we get a whole yeah. three tourists a year Limbrick, specifically to that house. Limbrook's a pretty you know it's not the cheapest place in the world to live, but like if you want to live in Limbrook, because of that neon sign. Every house on Fowler Avenue is super not expensive true. because That's you true. cannot sleep through it. But it is you, so bright. You make up the difference, like the savings and cost in the number of blackout curtains that you have to buy because one won't do it. You need to put, you know, three or four of those bad boys yeah. up on your rod. And, and sleeping masks and earmuffs for the hourly announcements of the time as voiced by <laughs> Ray Romano. Time and temperature. <laughs> it is now one one o'clock. Deborah. <laughs> yep, that's true. That's, that's um, right. But Don't Robert, look it up. We know. Robert enters. Great. Great. Never I was going to say grained father clock, but that doesn't work. Cut that joke. Okay. I certainly will. Um, <laughs> at this point, Robert enters and uh, with the the single line of cables out. Uh, <laughs> and then he, he has a pretty funny bit about, you know, as a cop, he doesn't like it when the cable goes out. Cable goes out, people get edgy, he says. <laughs> Don't forget in the summer. And then uh, you might as well go downstairs and... What was that? Close, close your blinds, something like that. Yeah, basically, like essentially, like hunker down. Yeah. Um, but then he pivots in an alarming way to, should we rent a movie? And uh, which I thought was a good, that's a pretty good idea. It, yeah. I. The question is right. Like, it's nine. It's ninety seven. You have to go to the place to rent the movie, and, and it's pouring rain. You know, like who's gonna make that drive? I mean. In our I experience, I mean, there's one person in Limbrook who definitely shouldn't drive uh, in in the rain because <laughs> of a certain tendency that he has to drive 
through living rooms. Um, but I think they Frank and Marie or Frank, Ray, Robert, any of them can manage. There are literally five possible drivers that could go to the video store. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, what but movie Marie, does, yeah. Well, Marie suggests that they watch Beaches. Uh, she says, I wouldn't mind seeing that again. And then Frank says, I would mind. Uh, Beaches is a 1988 drama. Uh, it was directed by Gary Marshall, who created Happy Days. He directed a number of films. I think his last film was Mother's Day, uh, the sequel to New Year's Day, which is the sequel to Valentine's Day. So the day of Which is the sequel to Groundhog Day, which is the sequel to... <laughs> That's right. He's just working through the year. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, it starred Bette Midler, and uh, the synopsis is a privileged rich debutante and a cynical struggling entertainer share a turbulent but strong childhood friendship over the years. Uh, it was also referenced in an episode of Seinfeld, The Understudy, which was the 24th episode of the sixth season. Um, is it, How did Beaches do on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, how did Beaches do on Rotten Tomatoes? Let me tell you. Rotten Tomatoes, Beaches, it has a 43%. Oh, it sounds like it's not a, not a great movie. Sounds like 43%, the majority agrees with Frank and yeah. not Marie. 43% tomato meter, so critics, 88% audience. Oh, score. okay. So, popular with the fans, yeah. not popular with the critics. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, a classic movie of the time. It's about nine years old at this point um but it's out on vhs and marie wants to watch it but uh that gets shot down so she suggests marie suggests that they play a game and, and then I, uh, and robert and Deborah seem very very excited by this idea ray does not want to play a game no, until the prospect of sitting and having a conversation with his family is brought up then yeah. he's like let's play that game um, I don't blame Ray entirely. Like family game nights can lead to more drama, especially when uh, just talking is uh, scary for you. Yeah. Family game night is like talking deluxe. <laughs> talking deluxe. Get it in the game aisle. <laughs> um, I opened the wrong app. I want to. Uh, okay, so. Uh, this is an interesting scene that comes up next, or an interesting exchange, because uh, Deborah starts going through their game closet, and uh, she's like, what should we play? And Robert is like, uh, what about Scruples? And Deborah is like, oh, I don't think we have that one, Robert. And then Robert says, I gave it to you for, I gave it to you for Christmas two years ago. And then Deborah says, oh, here it is. We love this game. And then Robert is incensed. He says the shrink wrap is still on. And then he has a bit of a, a short circuit. So I want to play you what he does. The short circuit? Yeah. Oh, gee, thanks, Robert. Thanks for the gift. You have such great taste. You can't even think of the shrink wrap to play one of the games of an old He does like a little porky pig there. Yeah. I, I, I think, love. is that something that he does again in the show? Like, he go into that, like, times. like uh, freak out mode? I think um, he does it a couple times. I feel like I remember seeing it more than once, but I, I don't know for sure, though. It's pretty funny. Um, he, I think it's, you know, I'd love to have seen the rehearsal of that, where he 
uh, gets it just right. I agree. Could have been improv. Uh, oh, I certainly hope it was. Uh, but they decide, and maybe as a concession of Robert to Robert to play scruples, uh, and then Robert sits down and prepares to go through the rules. He, of course, chins the instruction booklet. Um, <laughs> Frank doesn't want to hear the rules. He wants him to just get on with it, but um, Robert starts explaining the premise of scruples, which is that each card has a moral quandary, uh, and he continues to get cut off as he goes through the rules. And Deborah suggests that they just learn as they play. And this Robert, I love the like tension that Robert <laughs> and Deborah have in this scene because he gives her this look that is just withering. Um, but Deborah asks the first moral quandary of Marie, and uh, it is about you're a, a '50s Hollywood starlet. And to make some money, now that your star has waned, would you endorse uh, adult diapers? And Marie, understandably, freaks out at the implication that she would ever need and or be someone that would endorse adult diapers. Now, here's the real question I have for you guys. Um, because it, I would. <laughs> I would wear one <laughs> on television right now. I um, was in the... the the um i and my fiance were in the feminine products aisle in target and that shares some shelf space with the depends section and i i had a lot of respect for one of the most of the models on those are older people but there's one that's just a young guy maybe 30 and i was like good for you you know, getting that paycheck, yeah, doing he, he needed that money, doing yeah. what you need to do. <laughs> Sorry, um, what was your actual? Yeah, question? what was your question, Alex? Yeah, here's the here's here's a question that I I am pondering. Um, for you, uh, for you loyal listener, um, who listened to the whole uh, show, you may have heard us play scruple in the first half of the uh, first half of the show. My question to you two is, do you think that these questions that uh, the Barons are asking each other, are they real questions in the game? That's a good question. I don't think... Um, they might have been hand-selected by Foldable Human, uh, the ones that we read, to be like to show like how much the game has aged. Yeah, but I believe like, that was the premise of his thread. Right, um, but I guess my point is, like, are all the questions like that, or is it just the ones that he chose? I saw a couple other ones while I was looking around for, um, to be honest, a free copy of this game that somebody had scanned and put up on the internet. Um, but uh, some of them are a lot more benign and mm -hmm. uh, like patently obvious that, yeah, of course I would do that, or no, of course I wouldn't do that. Um, I think there's some artistic license here especially you know considering the dynamic of the characters but then again i think they they did like 150 cards for each edition of this game and i think there were four four or five editions and then the last edition had bonus cards as well so there are like thou a thousand cards that you know i wouldn't be surprised if some version of these questions was in the millennium edition of scruples <laughs> which we haven't asked you to, you know, our show is not behind a paywall. Uh, we humbly read ads every week. But as far as monetary contributions to this show go, 
please send us money so that we can purchase the Millennium Edition of Screw. I was just going to be a Baronis episode. I was just going to say, why not just if you have the Millennium Edition of Scruples, <laughs> just send that to us. That like, all we would also that, that would no. Be great. I think we should get money, and then you know the <laughs> price of Scruples has gone up in the past several years. It's about ten thousand dollars. This is not this very point. scrupulous of you, Adam. <laughs> I would uh, off, uh, like outside the bit. I would love to just do a full like hour would, Baronis episode where we just play Scruples with each other. That would be a good time. I agree. But yeah, so. uh uh, Marie becomes indignant that she would even be asked this question. She refuses to answer it. Uh, everybody tries to get her to say yes or no, and she refuses to. Um, I feel like there's a, there was a punchline. Frank, there. Frank, oh, Frank says that he would, and uh, he would model them on TV and um, all that because he's got, in his words, scruples the size of basketballs, <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. His, you know. Yes. Use of the word. And, um, yeah. Frank was kind of throughout, ever, from when they started the game of scruples up until uh, a little bit later, Frank was acting all high and mighty, like, oh, he has never done a wrong in the world, obviously setting up for a punchline where he, in fact, did do wrong. Um, yeah. And I felt, I thought, I, I felt yeah. uh, Peter Boyle's performance throughout this section is just very enjoyable because he, he gives off, like, just a little bit of a sense of like elitism in his voice throughout this uh yeah these couple minutes and it just feels so genuine it's just so funny it's a really good performance and then also he from like the the way that the episode is written and the sort of um the plot points that frank has in this episode it's like a real show it's a showcase for everyone but like frank play such an integral role in it and really gets to shine so it's an awesome frank episode um but michael comes over the baby monitor he's up he's crying and frank hurriedly excuses himself to go check on him uh fights with ray about going up uh no i'll do it no i'll do it uh but frank goes up to check on michael uh and then robert Pulls the next card and asks Ray. Right. Uh, yeah. Maria. Deborah basically loses. Is, is yeah. The, uh, is the thing. And then, yeah. Robert pulls the next card. He asks Ray if there were if some if you went back to the coat room and somebody had taken your umbrella, would you take someone else's umbrella uh, if it's a rainy day? And Ray says, "No, I wouldn't." And then Robert immediately. <laughs> I challenge. Uh, and he goes on this. He has 20 seconds to... Longer than uh, 20 seconds, argue. by the way. Yeah. Yeah, for I sure. Will, I will say I did like it. How I did like the line of just like, Robert's like, I challenge him. He's like, what the hell are you talking about? He's like, it was in the rules. You guys didn't want me to finish the rules. So I finished the rules. I just thought like his... Um, Oh, what's the word? Like the pride that he took, and like yeah. I finished reading the rules was just oh, what a good touch. What yeah. a good touch. Um, I love Brad Garrett. And then he goes off on this monologue, which starts with, "I recall a rainy day in 1967," <gasps> uh, and goes on to describe how Ray took his boots supposedly on a rainy day, and uh, he had to, for some reason, he had no other shoes, and he had to walk to school. Uh, get his socks completely soaking wet, and the kids called him Sasquitch. <laughs> Sa- sorry, let me get Sa- Sasquish. I will Sasquish. say I would have gone with Soak Squash, but you know what? Well, that's why I will say, to be perfectly honest, 
kids in the in this in 1967 amazing insults i'm not very very clever i'm not saying bullying is good but i'm saying if you're gonna do it make sure the jokes are that caliber of quality that's a it's a fantastic pun it's not only is it like a pun like a good pun where it rhymes with the original word but it's so appropriate to the situation yes you're big and you have wet shoes yeah (laughs) it's great it's incredible um and Robert reveals that the bullying he received on that day because Ray took his galoshes <laughs> is what inspired him to become a cop. And we've talked about troubling things about Robert being a police officer. <laughs> but the fact that it's all motivated by getting revenge on 11-year-olds is uh, troubling. Incredible. Incredible. I, I have a new Robert Barone theory for all those interested. Here, Here is my thought process, right? Robert is the one who suggests scruples. Mm-hmm. Robert is the one to like he like he has a f- straight up defense prepared. He obviously likes this game. Did Robert pick out this card from his own copy of Scruples, put it in his sleeve, and then wow. waited for his turn <laughs> to then challenge Ray on this issue that has potentially been bothering him for 30 years? Whoa. Not That's potentially, deep. it's the core of his entire being. <laughs> yeah, position. I was going to say. Um, certainly possible. Or he flipped through the cards while no one was looking and took it out. Maybe. Like, like here's the thing, right? Like, there's such, there's basically, like, so few opportunities for Robert to have the whole room and everyone in it just listening to him. Yeah. And, like, this, he had to take his opportunity. I feel like... I feel like he could have masterminded this just to just to accuse Ray. I certainly think that's possible. Um, and then he goes, but then after Robert's amazing monologue, he then goes and says, "Ray, you now have twenty seconds." And he looks at his watch, and Ray says, "I didn't take the boots. That's it. I didn't take the boots." And Robert just holds up a hand and says, yeah. "You gotta wait." Then then waits to, uh, for the conclusion of the twenty. Judge Deborah, who would you pick in this? Uh... I was thinking this is genuinely like a Judge Deborah episode, straight up. Yeah. Who um, who, who would you well, declare the winner just based on the performances here? The namesake of Judge Deborah votes for Robert, mm. and I agree. In my opinion, you know Ray, it, and I agree with Deborah's reasoning reasoning as well. De- Ray didn't care to argue his case at all. He didn't offer any kind of rebuttal whatsoever other than, you know, he didn't have any evidence that he didn't take the boots. Um, I think as, you know, from a good jurisprudence standpoint, Deborah was right. Uh, Robert and Deborah vote against Ray here, and uh, the challenge is successful. I will say, yes, of course, Robert should have won, but it is revealed later on who actually took the boots. Right. But uh, we'll bury the lead on that one. Evidence was not submitted, so it can't be brought up in the trial, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's sort of a, it's very, the Boots thing is very much an OJ situation, is it not? (laughs) Do tell, Adam. Please elaborate. I refuse. Oh, I'm sorry. Should we not? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Marie abstains from voting, which I thought was pretty funny. Uh, she says she can't choose between two of her sons. Uh, uh, she basically does throughout the episode. But anyway, oh, yeah, absolutely. Frank, yeah, Frank comes down and Michael's still inconsolable over the baby monitor, right? Is right. that at this yep. point? And then Robert goes up. Right. No, well, we get the explanation. No, that's now. 
we get the explanation as to why Michael is still crying. It's because Frank was playing peekaboo with him in a very upsetting way. Uh, so Deborah steps in to take you're care right, of him. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Frank sits down, though, and he says uh, he likes the game. It brings families together, and he wants to play. And uh, at that point, though, the TV flickers in for just a second, and they all that all gets thrown out the window, and Frank, Robert, and Ray huddle, huddle around the TV and, you know, some variation of come on, baby. Robert says, Barnaby Jones, Barnaby Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Let me give you a little bit of uh, detail about Barnaby Jones. Oh, yeah, I just uh, thought it was funny. Private Eye Barnaby Jones, played by Buddy Ebsen, works with his widowed daughter-in-law to solve cases. Uh, Buddy Ebsen is best known for uh, the Beverly Hillbillies. But, uh, yeah, so that's Barnaby Jones. He's a private eye. Um, and then that we go to an ad break, and when we come back, Frank is yelling at the cable company on the phone and just letting him have it and then he hangs up and he says that was the first nice lady i've spoken to up there it's really funny i thought Um, i'm with you the switch guy chuckled out of me but then marie uh it's her turn to pull a card and ask a question and she asks ray your elderly mother lives all by herself and she asks if she can move in with you do you agree and then Ray refuses to answer at first, and then Frank steals the card and reveals that it actually says, a co-worker has bad breath, do you tell? Or actually, it goes from Frank to Robert and then to Ray, and Ray reads it, mm-hmm. and he says, a co-worker has bad breath, do you tell her? So Marie... Manipulative Marie. Strikes extremely again. manipulative. Oh, my God. And and de- I also just love the... The beat that is taken in between Marie asking Raymond, would you let me stay with you? And then just Ray and Deborah hearing the question and slowly turning to <laughs> <Yeah>. Marie. <laughs> just be like, what? I uh, This is a beautiful, I just, yeah. But yeah, yeah it, good job dis- from everyone involved. Marie, Marie makes up this question and then despite demanding Despite letting an it go, yeah. yeah. Despite... Uh, Asking the real question, she demands that Ray answer this question, yeah. and Ray gives up essentially. And he's like, "All right, fine, you can live with us." I also and then Deborah's look when he says that is <laughs> withering. Yeah, I will say that. Okay, so during this conversation, Marie's like, well, "But why? What? Answer the question. Why wouldn't you stay at me?" She tells everybody that in the scenario, Frank is dead uh and also robert and asks the very real question of just like ma wh- why are you staying with me and she's just like the, she basically says i don't i'm not thinking about you <laughs> let's only pretend i only son. have one son <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Robert, i just which is just like in a real life situation i feel like that would be the i the smart thing to do but i mean he already lives with them but exactly. uh you know that's um, she forces Ray to make a commitment that he's not ready for at this moment. I think this is the first real glimpse. Like, we've seen Marie be overbearing, but I feel like this is the first real glimpse of, like, the extreme uh, relationship that she has with Ray being on full display here, where she's basically manipulating this whole situation to get him to agree to let her live with him, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, extremely 
dysfunctional. It really um, is. Very much And so. I don't even, I mean, understandable. I understand why Deborah gets upset, and she has every right to be upset. I also am not, I also understand Ray just being like, I want out of this conversation. This can't be real. And it's this not is like, not legally binding. Yeah, yeah. It's not like Marie in like 10 years can like reference this event being like, I, she will. Yeah, I know she, oh, yeah, will, she will. But <laughs> I'm saying like, you know, like that's not gonna like, hopefully a well-developed Ray won't feel like he has to hold to yeah. uh, this statement, which was squeezed out of him. Like he was a lemon and Marie was making lemonade. I don't know. I'm tired. <laughs> I like that I'm metaphor. Not, I like that metaphor. Um, but uh, Ray and Deborah go into the kitchen at this point, and then Frank starts waxing about instead of a scenario where he dies and Marie's left alone, he goes and he sails away with Marie's bridge partner, Harriet Lichtman. This is a recurring thing, right? She yeah, comes up a Harriet couple other Lickman. times. Harriet Lichtman. Yeah. Frank talks about her every now and again. Oh, does he? To get Marie and, yeah. angry. He openly horns after Harriet Lickman. Um, meanwhile, Deborah is confronting Ray in the kitchen about telling Marie that she could move in without consulting her at all. Um, very big decision. Um, and, you know, I like you're saying, Mike, I understand where she's coming from. Like, even if this isn't legally binding, it's like, you know, that's still a discussion that we have to have. Yeah. You don't want to put that idea in her head, Marie's head, right. that, like, Ray's okay with it. Right. Because he's not. He just doesn't know how to say no to his mom in a room full of his family when she asked a very should-be-private question. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, but they go back into the living room, and it's Frank's turn, and he reads a question essentially about... Uh, would Deborah cheat on Ray? <laughs> because uh, she's in the Ray's going scuba diving snorkeling. Uh, or snorkeling, rather. Snorkeling. And uh, Deborah's in the hotel hot tub with a sexy stranger. Would she re- withdraw her foot from his advances? And she takes a beat and is sort of, you know, she's just making a joke. And she makes a pause and she's like, ooh. And then she's like, yes, of course I would. And then Ray, in what I feel is a very unfair way, <laughs> interrogates her about that pause and um, and that uh, exchange essentially boils down to, you're just mad at me because of the other thing, Ray says to Deborah, And Deborah is like, I thought her like emoting of being pissed off at him for saying that in front of Marie was really good. Yeah, uh, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, at this point, Robert's upstairs, right? At some point, he goes up uh, to check on Michael. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As, yeah. uh, Here, it's, yeah. Here's, like, something else I want to say about, I mean, obviously about that, and kind of, you, you, you guys touched on it just then, but, like, Ray, I feel like he's harping on this one because he's super insecure about himself and, like, ev- everything about him, which, you know that's whatever and that's why he's bringing this up but also i feel like he he wants to feel like he's on the moral high ground after he just got like oh like mm-hmm. targeted not targeted but like confronted that's the word confronted by deborah for conceding a uh a manipulation to his mother yeah so i feel I like i think he, that's totally he, right. he's he's yeah, fishing for a win and he's playing uh he's playing hardball in not a fair way <laughs> True, true. 
Um, yeah, he says, you're just mad at me because of the other thing. And then Marie says, what other thing? And then Frank correctly keys on, keys in on you moving in. And that basically is the fuse that lights the powder keg. And they all start yelling at each other, screaming at each yeah. other. Frank is and like, Frank, uh, Marie's like, well, I never liked your mother, Frank. And Frank uh, and Frank defends the mom and they all, they starts a whole other well, feud. And, and yeah. it's more than that, too, because she yells at Frank about his mother moving in with them without a discussion, which is like, yeah. again, oh, with yeah. it's, the it's parallels. It's a time machine. Yeah. It's a, it's a look into their future. It's like Frank and Marie and Ray and Deborah are on these parallel tracks um, because of essentially who Ray is and the <laughs> environment that he uh, puts Deborah in is... Uh, it's really that's like an interesting kernel. I thought I'm glad that they put that in there. Yeah, and it's sort of um, it reminds me of like Turkey or Fish, uh, the Thanksgiving episode where Marie admits to Deborah that she's giving her a hard time because her mother-in-law gave her a hard time. It's like she's doing the same thing to Ray. You know, uh, Frank forced his mother on me, and I'm gonna force myself on you and Deborah. Um, but they go back and forth. They're all yelling and screaming at each other. And then uh, over the baby monitor, they hear Robert start to sing to Michael. Yeah. And it's a this very is cute moment. Absolutely. Uh, one of those, you know, joke, 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 heartfelt uh, moment. Completely uh, unironically, completely sincere. Yeah. And these moments in the show, I just, I, I really enjoy. Yeah. They're always surprising. What song does he sing, Adam? I know that you uh, you you looked it up, right? Mm-hmm. Inchworm. Yes, I did. He right? sings uh, this song, Inchworm. It's also known as the Inchworm. It's a song originally performed by Danny Kaye in the 1952 film Hans Christian Andersen, uh, supposedly about that guy, Hans Christian Andersen. <laughs> I would imagine. It's been covered a billion times, but I want to play you the the best version that I found. No, it's not the Paul McCartney version. Oh. It is a version by Jennifer Lee from the 2003 album Jaywalkin', and it is entitled The Inchworm Slash Inchworm Rap. So I'm going to play you first the inchworm portion, and then I'm going to play you the inchworm inchworm rap portion. So that's the inchworm Ooh, portion. That's really but, good. Yeah, it's very jazzy, very um it's it's just beautiful to me. It reminds me of um like San Francisco, which is where Jennifer Lee made her name. Oh well uh, there you go. But starting at about three minutes we get the inchworm rap. Uh, so let me play a little inchworm. bit of that for you. Sometimes I feel like a little inchworm making my way through life inch by inch, centimeter by centimeter, detail by dizzying, worrisome detail. 
There's no love inside those details. They splinter my consciousness, causing anxiety to rise within me like a tidal wave of urgency. I tell my mind, sit, stay, but it won't be still because it doesn't remember how to be. The quiet packed its bags and left long ago, one day when I wasn't looking. But I'm looking now, and I can't see the marigolds for the inches. I can't see the forest for the trees. I climbed a tree once on a beach in Monterey. I look I'm sorry. I wish uh, I wish Robert performed that version. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> I climbed a tree once on a beach in Monterey. Um, I love that so much. It's so <laughs> you know earnest and, and what it reminds me of. And I don't know if you you guys have ever seen the Mike Myers movie. So I married an axe murderer. Nope. But at the start of that movie, he so he plays like a beat poet in San Francisco. And he performs this like jazz poem called Woman, where first he's like, Woman, and then he's like, Whoa, man. And it just reminds me of that. <laughs> and there's like an upright bass playing the whole time. Um, and I just, I love that. So I highly suggest if you're going to listen to Inchworm, go find Jennifer Lee's version and at least listen from three minutes on because you got to hear that Inchworm rap. Got to hear the rap. Got to hear the rap. Um, but yeah, then, so yeah, everyone's soothed by, uh, Robert's amazing, honestly, very, very nice voice and soothing lullaby as he sings to Michael, and it's an adorable moment between uncle and nephew, and then he cuts back slowly to the entire family crowd around the baby monitor, and Frank says, wow, I love that song. You know who taught them that song? My mother, and that everything goes <laughs> yeah, back to shit. Yeah, they immediately go back to screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and they're only cut off by a knock at the door. Yeah, This is a pivotal moment, it seems, in the Everybody Loves Raymond Cinematic fan universe. community. Yeah, because the cable guy shows up from Limbrook Cable, which, of course, is the hyper-local cable provider <laughs> yeah. that only serves Limbrook. Um, if you live on Long Island, your options are Spectrum, or Limbrook Cable. And if you live in Limbrook. And that's it. A Spectrum has a monopoly in every other Long Island town. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but in Limbrook, it's 100% Limbrook Cable. And Iron you're grip. legally, this is a parliamentary decree, you are legally forbidden from cutting the cord if you live in Limbrook. Which explains the, the following, it would seem. Yeah. Right. Maybe. Because Maybe. they have an illegal, the cable guy tells them that they have an illegal cable splitter on the roof, which goes across the street to Frank and Marie's. Uh, so he slaps them with a $2,500 fine. Can can the cable guy write you up? Apparently. I guess for, so. For illegal cabling? I, I guess so, man. I, I, didn't... I didn't know he had that authority. <laughs> It's funny because Frank uh, then tries to bribe him with presumably less than $2,500. Will you accept a 20? Um, but this is important. This scene, this little scene-lit is important because the cable guy is played by John Manfrelotti. Right. And John Manfrelotti would go on to recur on 23 episodes of Raymond as Gianni. Oh, it's a real Doug Kevin situation because here he is or presumably his twin as the cable guy. Mm. And then he goes on to be one of Ray's best friends. Who so it is, seems. Yes. Do we get the cable guy's name? 
I don't think we do. Limbra He's listed cable. as Gianni slash cable guy. What if, what if off screen, Ray uses this billing as a foundation for his friendship with Gianni? What if he's making friends with Gianni right now in this scene and we just don't know it? The what problem if, uh, is I think it gets established later on that they're childhood friends. Uh, is it possible that Gianni's in disguise as a cable guy to sort of reignite that childhood friendship after years of what if, stagnation? So, what so if really Ray happy dis- disguise though? And then what he if, doesn't engage with Ray at all. <laughs> what if Ray hired Gianni to cuz he knew Frank was stealing his cable to come in during the thunderstorm to write up Ray with a fake ticket? To get Frank to uh, to feel bad, you I don't believe that Ray has that intellectual capability, Alex. Maybe, I'm gonna be honest. Maybe it is. Maybe Frank never gave the twenty seven hundred dollars back at the end of Win Loser <gasps> Draw, and <laughs> Frank is paying Gianni two hundred dollars to come here and pretend to be a uh, cable guy to get at least some of that money back. I like um, that. I like that theory. I also Did you mean like- to say Ray? You said Frank is paying Gianni. Ray is paying Gianni. Gotcha. Thank you. $200 if- to get some of that money back from Frank. What if Cable Guy pulls a Leo? It is indeed uh, <laughs> It is indeed Gianni's twin brother, but he just gets offed because they don't have the money. <laughs> it is a very close amount to the win-loser-draw amount. I think that that's actually might be... I don't think that was intentional, but I it think that might be a good was canon. The amount that Ray spent on the new diamond in Diamonds oh. of 2000. It seems like the writers are stuck in the two to $3,000 range. <laughs> um, but let me tell you a little bit about John Manfrelati. Oh. He uh, was also on King of Queens. He was in Grilled, by the way, the movie with Kevin James and Ray Romano. Uh, he was on Men of a Certain Age which is Ray's series, uh, one season series from 2011, um, unrelated to Ray, three episodes of Mad Men. Uh, but he's in Made for Love, which uh, Ray is in, and he's also going to be in Somewhere in Queens, which is the new movie that Ray is producing and maybe co-writing. Let me look. That's awesome. If Ray makes an appearance, we got to do a Baroness. I think we certainly um, will do a Baroness about somewhere in Queen, directed and written by Ray Romano. Okay, so, so yeah, we gotta we gotta do a Baroness and starring in. Hold on a second, in somewhere in Queens, Ray is playing a character named Leo. <gasps> it oh all comes my around. God. <laughs> Here we go. Oh my God, he's he's bringing back. He's the, bringing back Leo. The Everybody Loves Raymond community is about to blow up. I don't... <laughs> okay, we've been... You guys have been... I, I've kind of tangentially been involved in the online communities. You guys have been digging into them. Does anyone ever mention Leo? Not that I've seen. No but one I, talks about Leo. Everyone talks about this cable guy Gianni situation. It gotcha, comes up like okay. every couple months. Gotcha. All right. So, yeah. I mean, I think the headcanon is he got Leo'd. That's my that's my head cannon. Cable uh, guy got Leo. Cable guy got Leo'd and replaced Gianni, Gianni. off screen so was mourning the loss of his twin brother, but never brought it up. It's and it's just an invasion of Correct. the body snatchers type plot where the cable guy got taken and then an alien came back and implanted memories of Ray being best friends <laughs> with Gianni. 
and then just snuck yeah, that's into probably society. The, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's the most likely explanation. I, I believe so. Um, Frank, uh, after the uh, attempt to bribe the cable guy, the cable guy leaves. Frank uh, turns to everyone who's very mad at him uh, and says, you cannot judge me until you've walked a mile in my shoes. And then Ray, in sort of like a, he's a very Columbo-esque, like, Euphoric he moment. Yeah. asks Frank, what size shoes are those, by the way? And Frank reveals that he wears a size 12. Robert, at age 11, wore a size 12 watch. It's just such a funny way to solve just, this mystery. He's just, I just love the idea that he's always been freaking massive. Yeah. Uh, and Frank, upon being found out, says, no more games and storms out. Uh, but then Marie, this is a nice little end of the scene, nice little button on the scene. Marie turns to Deborah and she's like, when I move in, we'll play games all the time. Yeah. So... I like that that conflict is not remotely resolved. <laughs> nope. That is but a series-long uh, conflict. Yeah. Then we go to the hot close where the TV is back on. Ray's watching TV and Deborah's going upstairs, and she's like, I'm going to go to bed unless you want to collect on our deal. And this is when we get Ray jumping up off the couch and looking back and forth between the TV and upstairs, and he legitimately can't decide between good old sex and watching Presumably the game's over at this point. Yeah. Um, but uh, luckily for him, he a commercial comes on. He yells commercial and runs upstairs. Commercial break is what, two minutes, three minutes? Something like that. Seems about right. They called him Lightning Ray. <laughs> I believe that's another one for the cum counter. Um, Confirmed. <laughs> oh, I don't like that. Also, uh, is no one else going to say, like, the VCRs existed like he could just record whatever he was watching, right? True. You read it, um, like, but you need a physical VHS to record that. Probably. And, had and if one. he was gonna, and in a future he, episode, we learned that he's not particularly uh, careful about uh, that. Uh, could have been the lead into that episode. Ah, there you go. Where he used that tape this time to tape over the game. Yeah. I think if Ray was going to use this opportunity to pop something in, it wasn't going to be a VHS. Hey. Hey. So that's that episode. That's season one, episode 17. It's time for us to rate Ray's performance in this episode as a husband, father, son, brother. On our Baron Mater, it's our patented scale. We talked about Fresh Prince earlier. This is a one to 10 scale where 10 is a man like Uncle Phil. Uh, one of the great dads of sitcom history, or Danny Tanner, whereas one are the men in television history who actively harm their families. You've got Don Draper, you've got Walter White. Mikey D, where is uh, Ray coming in for you this episode? Okay, so I will say that one of the things that we've gotten feedback on, uh, both in comments and in person that I've like talked to people that have listened to the show is that we can be pretty hard on Ray and I don't really care I'd like sometimes Ray deserves us being yeah. hard on him but I've taken that and I've, I've kind of sh shifted the way that I approach the barometer in the past I was looking for things to knock Ray down for now I'm looking at it and I'm like all right what does Ray do right in this episode and I try to build him up I can't think of a single thing that I can point to in this episode that Ray does well. Because, sure, 
as we all know about my opinion on these things, it's good to screw your wife. And he does at the very end, <laughs> but almost reluctantly. So, like, I, I I can't give him full points for that. I don't think he wrote, falls to the level of active harm, but it's like everything about this episode, everything about his motivation is very, ugh, hate my wife, hate my family. And it's just, exactly. I, I can't. I can't find anything to give points on. This is like, I guess a, a three feels low, a four feels too high. I'm going to go three and a half. 3.5. Alex, where are you coming in? So um, I wrote the following. Ray's a dick and does not handle himself <laughs> properly this entire time. Again, his problem is communicating. He does not even try to enjoy the game and raise it all up. To be fair, the entire family sucks. And his mom tries to manipulate him where there is no easy out of that situation without, um, you know, upsetting his mom or his wife. There's no there's no win button, even just pointing out like the the like the uh, the tactic would not satiate Marie in that uh, state. He sucks. He did poorly. <laughs> he. uh a little man child the whole time just all around not not a good not not great four and a half four and a half that's surprisingly high given what you were just saying yeah. i think yeah but, but like, um, I, was, I was you know I was, uh, just to further elaborate i was not i was thinking about last episode as well and i mm-hmm. don't think he was nearly as bad this time around as he was last episode and i know that's a controversial take because i know you guys scored him a little higher than i did Actually, well, I, I think Adam, Adam. I scored him slightly higher. Adam scored him exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. Adam, I actually yeah. brought my score down to tie with yours because I, I, I was voicing right. my disdain with him the whole episode, and I didn't want to be outdone. <laughs> um, um. So yeah. For me, yeah, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I think uh, it's helpful to you know just reiterate the ways in which Ray hurt Deborah. He uh, told Marie that. He, they, that she could move in with them without consulting her. I mean, he also interrogated her over a momentary pause or joke. Uh, he, uh, you know, was it generally a dick to her, and was only motivated by uh, detached, uh, in intimate sex. He refused to talk to his wife, and that's the crux of the whole episode. So I'm going to give him a. I mean, like you guys were saying, he was just a dick in this episode. He didn't want to engage with his family. I feel like um, this is comparable, if maybe not as harmful to Diamonds. So I'm going to give him the same rating I gave him there, which is 3.5. Interesting. So that comes out to a score of exactly the same as he got last episode, a 3.83. Is that the same as last episode? 3.8. So. Uh, Ray's not think, doing too No, much. last episode was 3.7. Okay. So he's actually going he up. He improved very slightly. Yes. We'll take it. All right. Good for Ray. All right. Good for Ray. Good and for that's uh, bad for everyone, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Um, but that's our show. That is that episode of Everybody Loves Raymond. And that's this episode of Everybody Loves Everybody Loves Raymond. We encourage you, as always, to rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen. We encourage you to follow us at Barone Zone on Instagram, like our page 
on Facebook. Reach out to us at Raymond at postfund.info with Raymembrance or a Judge Deborah topic. And uh, head over to postfund.info slash ads. When you click on those links, we hear those clinks of coins falling into <laughs> the Barone Zones piggy bank. Um, anything else to add, guys? Uh, nope. Just make sure you leave a uh, leave a rate and review. We love to hear from you guys. We love your feedback. And uh, thanks so much for listening. Yeah. Well, that's it for us, and the only thing left to say is our classic sign-off. Everybody loves Raymond. And we love you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Toodles. Toodles.